Welcome to the London School of Design and Marketing podcast. You'll find all you need to know about marketing, design, and leadership across our key disciplines. If you're a first-time listener, make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn by searching at LSDM London, where I, Frank Sullivan, will be your host and guide on the journey from best practice, from the classroom to the boardroom. Good day and welcome to the LSDM Leaders Programme. My name is Frank Sullivan. I'm the Head of Marketing and Communications for London School of Design and Marketing. This episode, I have the sincere pleasure of speaking with Brian Hardy, who is the Regional Director for the Marketing Centre. Brian, welcome. Thank you. Let's have a bit of an introduction to yourself. Okay, thank you, Frank. Um, So, uh, very pleased to participate in this this conversation. Um, I'm a regional director with a company called The Marketing Centre. We run a team of 100 marketing directors across the UK and 25 also in South Africa, who all work part-time with businesses who are ambitious to grow. Um, Often they may feel that they don't have the senior level marketing experience or capability and commercial knowledge to really help drive that growth. And so if that is a situation for those sorts of businesses, often I can introduce colleagues who will be really good at helping making change happen. And probably at at this tough time um, in our business cycle with COVID-19 impact, there's never been a better time to bring in experienced people who can help me out. Uh, make that difference. So not only has Brian Hardy been a practitioner for a long, long time, <laughs> he also has the distilled wisdom of 100 marketing leaders strategically placed throughout the country and in internationally. So Brian, <laughs> I hope I hope we can we can we can channel the spirit of, of that wisdom because they were talking about leadership. Today, we're talking about leadership in challenging times, and no doubt it's a tough time for many businesses. Some have uh, coped well, but very few. Let's talk about the 99% of businesses who have suffered as a result of one of two factors. One, restriction of movement means customers aren't visiting the premises, and two, internally within marketing and design teams, the transition to remote working, not just home working, remote working, and what would have taken five years of digital transformation has taken space, t- taken place in about two months, maybe less. Let's talk about those internal and external factors. So from a marketing perspective, how would you define the role of leadership? Leadership is, I think, fundamental to business success. If the business leaders in an organization are absolutely clear about what they do who for and the benefits they bring their customers and everything should follow from that, then effective leadership is much more likely to be in place. The current situation where we have a significant impact of COVID-19 on businesses and on leadership means that flexibility, agility and commercial focus on outcomes has never been more important. And I think that those businesses who are able to adopt a much more flexible and agile approach to their business are more likely to emerge stronger once lockdown eases and they can start operating again in what will be a new normal, but it will be different. And the point you were making about working virtually, working remotely, I think that is probably going to be the new normal. And 
a lot of businesses will have to think hard about how they return to work in a way which will be effective and engaging for, for the staff first, for the customer second, and hopefully for the business third. So the external factors and external outcomes have been measured and commented in the media ad nauseum. What's not focused on is, are the internal factors, and that's what I want to pick up today with you because you have this wealth of experience being both embedded in the business and looking as an advisor and looking as um, looking to advise leaders in companies. You have the benefit of being the bedrock, the 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 voice of reason in an insane situation, right? That's true. Um, so over the last uh, six years, particularly when I've been doing this particular role, uh, I've spoken to probably a thousand businesses over that time. And it gives a pretty good indication and picture in terms of what different businesses of all sorts and sizes and types and sectors, how they're uh, adapting or not adapting well in some cases to significant change. And so a challenging time such as this, and it certainly is the biggest one I think I've, I've ever seen, um, means that businesses have, in some respects, had to take tough decisions, have had enjoyed in the UK some degree of support with furloughed staff and, and um, some support from government, which is great, um, but also a realisation that at some stage, and hopefully soon, we can actually start to work in a more consistent, normalised way. Um, and when you start looking at the likely impact, businesses which are agile, flexible and commercially focused will be better able to absorb this change, but also react and plot a way to the future. Um, and I think uh, customer requirements are changing too. One of your earlier points was that if visiting customer premises is part of a normal way of doing business, um, that is now abnormal and it will be for some time. Um, so we need to be much become much more creative about how interactions take place, about how you motivate both staff and customers to feel that it's safe to meet up, which is unbelievable. Six months ago, that wasn't even considered uh, a, a possible reality or outcome. Now, everybody knows that it is. So how do you deal with it is a key question. So I think certainly from, from the perspective of keeping the company stable, the leaders have to be okay. The leaders themselves have to be measured. They have to have their own outlets. They have to have for, for stress. They need to be okay in the head. Even if, they, even if they're not okay in the head, they need to give the illusion of being okay in the head. Yeah, and funny. <laughs> so so let's, let's dig into that mindset a little bit. Let's say, well, one of the fundamental things you taught me is that there's business as usual, which is based on good practice or bad practice. But then there's a change in the external environment, which leads to an event, a response, and an outcome. So let me dig into the decision-making process around event, response, outcome. In the shoes of a leader, marketing leader or a company leader what goes through your mind <laughs> once the sheer panic has set in and, and and left what goes through a leader's mind with event response outcome well first you need to understand the implications of the event so the event implications for the current situation with COVID-19 is that there is a threat to your business there's a threat to your customers paying bills, a threat to your cash flow, a threat to your ability to 
pay and retain your staff in tough times when cash is going to be um, tighter than it certainly was. Once you go over that and work out that there is either government support or sufficient resources within the business and resilience within the business, you can then start planning with greater confidence than you would otherwise be able to do. First, stabilize. Two, make some realistic plans about the financial resources and resilience you need to be able to plan forward. And then you can start thinking about, okay, how do we recover and emerge from this crisis in a way which will position us stronger and more effectively in the minds of the people we want to do business with? And in every case, it's a return on investment. I think there's never been uh, a stronger concept to pay attention to. So if there's return on investment on any investment, then the resources for the business will probably decide that's a good thing to do. And if the marketing function in particular is able to demonstrate a good return on investment, return on marketing investment, then good. Uh, the issue is not enough marketing people have been clear or good enough or effective enough at demonstrating clear return on marketing investment. So I think before you get to get to talk about return on marketing investment, you've got to stabilize the ship. Stabilize first, plan with confidence, and then measured return on investment decisions. It's uh, it's the Texas two-step between left brain and right brain. You have you have the, the logical cash flow financial fo focused uh, analysis of today, 30 day, 60 day, 90 days, six month view on what can we afford to invest in as a marketing leader before you even get to think about media buying opportunities on the cheap or seeing where your competitors are failing and looking to gain competitive advantage or improve market share. You've got to stabilize the ship. How do you do that? Uh well, that means working with the management team and making sure that the resources and resilience within the business is sufficient. And that's everybody in the management team. Marketing's got a contribution to make towards that. Um, and let's assume that in most cases, that is an outcome which the business is able to achieve. Um, and if they haven't, once they emerge from this crisis, they will certainly want to build up a stronger bank of reserves so they have greater resilience to deal with shocks such as a COVID-19 crisis or anything else which may come down the line. Um, I would take issue with the point you just made about where you want to take advantage of media placements or tactical advertising opportunities. I think what I would do um, uh, recommend is that the businesses take advantage of the luxury of unexpected planning and thinking time to be really, really crystal clear about what their value proposition is and the benefits it will give to the potential customers. And I think that's going to change because if the outcome of any investment, in this case marketing, is not clear, I would recommend the business pause before spending much money on it because it's really clear that if the value proposition is good and the business benefits and outcomes which customers will get by using or buying your products or services, if that is good, then you've got a stronger proposition. And if you haven't got a strong proposition, I would recommend you work hard to ensure you have one. So one way of dealing with crisis when everyone accounts is not flailing, it's actually to 
take a step back and think. It's to reflect and to meditate on what is actually going on out there in the real world. But I think what a lot of people lose focus on, they're so wrapped up in themselves or what they can see in front of them, they forget about the team. They forget about the human aspect of a business. Your employees, your, your team, that's the greatest asset of the vast majority of businesses, certainly in the services sector, the knowledge sector. That's true. How do we manage employees' emotions? How do we, should we over-communicate? Let's say that our head is in the right place, our heart is in the right place. We have taken pause and taken stock of the situation. We know the event happened, we're planning our response, but there seems to be this you know, foggy gray area where no one communicates to employees, nobody reassures the team that everything's gonna be okay and this crisis too will pass. How do you put the human element back in? Well, uh, we're doing this via Google Hangouts, there's Teams, there's Zoom, there's other web conference call facilities. Um, regular communication uh, has never been more important, particularly when you're in, your, your employee base is working either from home or from other remote locations. So whatever you were doing in terms of communication and engagement for your staff to ensure that they continue to be fully engaged, you've got to have regular two-way communication. You've got to convey a sense of purpose, but also care. And I think I was on a call this morning, and they were talking about the Gallup 12-point uh, 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 employee survey. The, 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 for memory, uh, it, the, the area where staff feel most appreciated is when they get recognised. And so staff recognition is difficult to do when you're all working remotely. Find a way. There are tools and te techniques which can be used to ensure that staff remain fully engaged or as can be, even if they're working in non-ideal situations where they are not having social interactions with their, their, their teammates or their, their, their staff members. And it can be more of a solitary experience. So getting team uh, bonding um, uh, opportunities created, Facebook, we've got something called Workplace, Zoom, calls and then normal Google Hangouts as an alternative, Microsoft Good Teams, it's entirely possible to be effective running team meetings virtually. Are they as effective as physical? Probably not. But for now, they need to be the best we've got. So let's make the best use of them. I mean, I think there are three practical tips that we've implemented at LSDM as a digital university. We've got a little bit more maturity in terms of using technology for a distributed workforce and students in 45 different countries. I think the first thing was stand-ups. So what I did yesterday, what I'm doing today, any blockers, any dependencies. 15 minutes max for the team. One minute each, two minutes each. No private discussions, no chit-chat. Operationally, this is the fastest and most constructive way to get a view of the team or a view of the business. I know what you're working on, you know what I'm working on. If there are any dependencies or blockers, this is my forum to ask for help. And the response is, let's take it offline. But this is a snapshot on the daily health of the school. And I think it was new, we introduced it in, in April, but it's helped. It's not a laborious one hour communication, it's a 15 minute snapshot in the morning what I did yesterday, what I'm doing today, any blockers, any dependencies. 
I think the second practical thing was introducing a mentoring program. So I know that more than 60% of staff will have a wall. 20% will be okay and 20% will perform well. That's more than half of our workforce having a wobble, which could be increased anxiety. It could be periods of depression. It could be, uh, it could be work-related stress, uncertainty. Am I going to lose my job? It's so important to have someone to talk to that can bridge the gap between how you're feeling and what your attitude to work is and what the tasks and what the context of your job is within the new landscape. And I think that's been really positive. I've certainly benefited from that throughout my career. And it's something that you've done extensively as well, mentoring others. And I think the third thing, and this goes across the team, it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to put your hand up and ask for help. It's really, really difficult to do that. But I think once people invite, um, once leaders invite their teams and their employees to see um, vulnerability, it, it, it's difficult to phrase this correctly. Once invite, once leaders set the tone to say it's okay to not be okay, it's okay to ask for help, it's okay for you to have a duvet day, because without good mental health, there is no productivity. And I think that's a really important point that we forget. So the third thing is having good check-ins one-to-one -one or having an expedited process for looking after mental health throughout the period of a crisis. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think um, I've got I've seen a number of examples in recent weeks where a leader of a, of a business I've been speaking to has put a long blog post on about how they've struggled, to be honest, with, with some mental health issues over the course of the last 20 years. And that's why this particular individual, uh, Steve, has really come open and honest and put this out there for everybody to see. And it's to start a conversation. Um, and this isn't a marketing question, it's more to do a staff wellbeing question and, and people. Uh, it absolutely is okay not to be okay. This is tough. And different people are affected in different ways at different times. And it changes and can change really fast. Good weather helps you feel better. Rubbish weather doesn't. Uh, but a bad meeting, a bad day, and all of a sudden you could be in a downward slope. So there needs to be a check-in process which allows that to be identified. And that would be good business sense for every business to be able to do that well. A good friend of mine said uh, stress, depression, anxiety, it comes in waves at any time, and the waves can be big or small. So it's our job as leaders to respond to that internally. Because how we look after our staff very much determines how they will look after us. And if you can say, right, this is, a, this is a challenge, this is the next hill that we have to get over, everyone's getting over, no one's gonna be left behind, focus on the next hill. Don't worry about next year, don't worry about yesterday, that's the next hill, we've all gotta get over it together. I think that's how marketing leaders can encourage their teams, whether agency side or brand side. Now, let's come back to Event, response, outcome. We've talked about sizing up an event. Is it good, bad? Is it gonna knock us out? How do we do our 30 day, 60 day, 90 day cash flow forecast? We've talked about 
how to plan out the response and how to take care of the team. So these are two points well covered. Event, response, what we haven't talked about, what I'd like to conclude with is outcomes. And you are the man of outcomes. What do you mean by outcome? An outcome means that I'm less bothered about how you do something. I'm much more bothered about the measures and the business value and outcomes which that activity then produces. So from a marketing perspective, um, the brand's got to be well-defined. It's got to be communicated clearly. It's got to have social media in the background. You need to have a regular stream of activity to maintain brand presence and brand awareness. And that's all good. And you should do that. And that certainly should form part of a marketing operational plan. I'm more interested in making sure that the business outcomes of marketing's contribution are one, clear, two, understood, three, accepted by both members of the management team and the whole business actually. And clearly that will be represented, if it's done well, by customers coming through at the right rate of knots to make the business successful. If the business outcome is we need to grow financially, we want to double the number of customers in the next three years, we want to increase customer revenue from X to Y, we want to achieve profitability growth, and well, there could be a pricing tactical move here, which can also be strategic. How can we position the price of that value product or service in a way which can double profitability, which means that you can have more growth and more possibilities to reinvest in other aspects of improving the service. So um, the outcome is what the business needs, not the dictation of how to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. If you look at how you do it, I think there's a hundred ways to get something done. And if you recruit good people with good intentions, trust them to do the right thing. But be clear on the outcomes you would like them to contribute towards. Be less bothered about how they might do it. If they deliver the outcome, in a good way, with good intentions, and treat people properly and treat people fairly, the business will be most likely successful. Um, I'm not talking about lack of integrity or, or poor ethics or treating people badly. It's being clear about the outcomes. And treating customers and your staff fairly means just being clear about all of those different aspects. So the business outcome should then drive the activity, but what that activity is, leave a little bit of wriggle room and discretion for competent, experienced people to do it to the best of their ability, but be clear on the outcomes. So I think in between in communicating the response and defining the outcome, leadership fails in two areas, certainly in the marketing and design world. The first is not providing clarity, and the second is not providing empowerment. It's all well and good saying, we're the best team in the world, we've got an amazing product, and we want to double sales, but how does that translate into, uh, how does that translate down the line when you've got 10 people responsible for one goal and the outcome at each stage hasn't been clearly defined or clearly communicated? That's one. And the second is I'm exasperated as the employee because I'm not empowered to do this, therefore it's not my problem, so I'm just going to shut down. And I don't, I don't care if the phone rings. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's interesting because if you start looking at exasperated employees feeling they don't have accountability or space or flexibility or freedom to do all the, the, all the stuff, then it's not going to work. 
I think the other bit which I didn't refer to, which I should do, is clarity, absolutely, outcome, definitely. But being absolutely crystal clear about the why. Um, I'm sure uh, the brand purpose, why we are doing this, that helps ensure that different teams with different views on how to get something done, they can all agree on the outcome and they should all agree on the why they want to do something. And it's much more likely if that's the case that every particular team will be better aligned to deliver a clear outcome for the business. Now, there may still be disagreements over some aspects of strategy or some aspects of tactical delivery, but if you remember outcome first, uh, why second, then everything else should flow, uh, should flow in that direction. And uh, I'd be more confident that businesses who organize themselves in that way would also then empower their staff to deliver to that outcome. And if they don't have empowerment, you're going to have a suboptimal team. I think bad leadership in communicates in a specific way and good leadership communicates in a specific way. The characteristic of bad leadership communicating is they'll put the when first, followed by the how, and then a loosely defined what. Good leadership will say, this is, they'll start with the why, the whole Simon Sinek thing, start with the why, then they'll communicate the how and the what, and then they'll think about the wider context of the team. So I think two very different styles, one is highly effective and the other one is highly ineffective. Which one, which one are you? Which well, one, I, I think a lot of our students will ask this question. So when you get down to the nuts and the bolts of this, You've got one person looking up from the crow's nest, seeing, oh my God, there's this tsunami of an event going to happen it's where the ship is going to be swamped. Then you've got someone down on the officer's watch on the deck saying, oh, we need to plan out our response. We need to be measured. This is our 30, 30 60, and 90-day cash flow forecast. And then, then you've got the poor sucker, the XO, that has to go and implement the whim the whim of the emperor in new clothes in some circumstances you've got to be able to communicate the why the what and the how instead of just wishy-washy ad hoc yeah but the, the guy in the crow's nest um uh, needs to find an effective way to communicate to the people down below what the hell is going on um and this is a sense of purpose we are here to sail through this tsunami and uh, we want to be successful by serving more customers more effectively over, over, over the coming decade. But we need to do these things now. They if they don't explain why you need to do something different, then you're not going to get the buy-in and support from, from employees and staff members and team members. And um, why is critical. No why, no outcome, I think, because there's lack of clarity. So I think we've talked about the internal and external factors. So teams looking inwards versus looking outwards to the customer. We talked about event, response, and outcome. You've clearly defined why outcomes are the best way of pulling a team forward instead of pushing them down, down a path. The best way to do that is start with the why, then the how, then the what, and make it abundantly clear this is the outcome that we need, and this is uh, and this is how you're empowered to go and do it. I think a lot of businesses will struggle to get there and over-communicate, being overly human, almost to the point of, you know, extraneous checkings in, 
But I think that's it's it's important. It's important to look down the line and to say no one gets left behind. It's our job, not just within the marketing function, but as a leader to say challenging times have a beginning, a middle, and most importantly, an end. We will get through this. That's the hill we need to get over. You've so well touched upon the, the topic of outcomes. So Brian, to conclude, I want to ask, what's your top three takeaways for for our, our marketing students. It's a challenging time. We've discussed the role of leadership and the method of getting through a crisis. What are your top three takeaways? Um, be ready to be agile, number one. Uh, change is going to happen. Sometimes it's major change. Sometimes it's fast change. But it, there's always going to be change. So for, therefore, whatever you do in your future career, you've got to be agile and flexible. Number two would be be focused on outcomes. Uh, this outcome word is going to become, I think, more and more important, particularly in tough times and as businesses emerge from tough times. If we're clear on the outcome, then it's much more likely the outcome will be achieved. And the third then is, if you're clear on the outcome, you've got to take people with you. Whether you're a leader or a team member or whatever role you have, why you want to do it, well, you want to succeed. You want to fulfill your potential. You want to do a great job for your customers, for, for the business you work with, for yourself. And if you've got the clarity of being agile, of being outcome-orientated and being 100% clear and fully aligned with why you're doing something, and it's with good intentions, I think you'll be set up for success. Brian Hardy from the Marketing Center, you absolutely legend. Thank you very much for your time. This Thank you, Frank. concludes the episode for the LSDM Leaders Program. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. Did it strike a nerve? Did you enjoy that recording? Start a conversation or join in the discussion by searching on social media for at LSDM London, or be sure to visit our website, lsdmlondon.com, for all of our programs and more in-depth articles about the subject you've listened to today. Mm-hmm.